This is Yelena from Amazonia PPC, and today I have a very special guest with me. Uh, her name is Jana Krekic. She is the founder and um, uh, manager of Wild Tea Translations, which is, which is a widely known Amazon translating agency. Uh, Jana, welcome to our episode today, and um, thank you for being here. Hi, Elena. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Jana, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, about the company, and how it all started, and how many employees you have right now and what kind of services can you offer to Amazon sellers? Sure. So um, we are an Amazon dedicated translation agency and we've been around for about almost like roughly two years. But uh, I think recently or last year, we've just um, started to scale um, uh, pretty, uh, pretty fast. Uh, so we actually started with a team of uh, five people and now we've grown into a team of 42 uh, people. And I'm wow. very, very happy and very proud of the whole team uh, doing such a great work and great job. So without them, nothing will be possible, definitely. Um, and uh, we offer international um, expansion advice, uh, tips, and we deliver uh, listing translations. Uh, we do keyword research. We basically offer everything you need to get started on international marketplace once you have registered your company, applied for VAT and other stuff. So everything you need translated in, um, in a new language, optimized with keyword research, we can deliver that for you. Awesome. That's like a very comprehensive set of services that you can offer. And um, I know for sure that there are a lot of, for example, USA sellers who are interested in expanding it to EU markets and um, very often lack understanding of the uh, landscape over here and the mindset and the differences between, you know, USA customers and European customers who are very often a lot more detailed people and uh, less emotional with their purchases and stuff like that. So. Um, where, what exactly would you say is the added value of your of your services in terms of that? Like, um, can someone just like that go to like Google Translate and try and translate their listings uh, in any of the local languages in Europe? And is that a, a possibility to make it work for them? Right. Well, of course you can, you know, I mean, everybody can do that. And uh, this is also like, you know, uh, when Amazon Launchpad was doing that, I mean, they just topped mm -hmm. their service, I think in August last year, um, they were actually doing that. They were offering like this automated uh, generic translations and um, they were nowhere uh, close to human uh, translation quality uh, mm -hmm. because one of the main, main problems why you shouldn't use Google Translate is that Google Translate lacks the sense of context. So even though you might get some words correct, uh, maybe it will not do such a good job like when translating a, uh, your bullet or telling your brand story in A plus content. And I would not rely on a tool to deliver the message uh, to my clients. And I would never want to be, you know, uh, never want to have like a listing which resembles uh, Chinese uh, sellers listings that I'm pretty sure um, mm -hmm. all of you guys know how that sounds. And so if you don't want to strive to have a listing like that, I would say no to Google Translate. Um, also a very, mm -hmm. very typical mistake is that a lot of people um, also who contact us, but also doing that themselves, if you're, let's say, if you're a US seller, you would just, uh, they would just put like their US, US uh, keywords and just translate them to German. For instance, if you want to sell in the German market, and these uh, keywords uh, may or may not have the same combination 
for that market as they do for the US market. Um, a lot of keywords for the UK market are not going to be the same as for the US market, uh, let alone that, you know. So uh, just imagine what happens when you search for uh, something like that for like the Italian market or Spanish market. Maybe some people, uh, the Spanish market, if you're selling, uh, let's say, um, a travel mug, maybe on the Spanish market, they'll be looking for plastic travel mug, uh, which, which will have like a very high search volume. And in the US, it will be like very low search volume for that. So you don't want to, um, you know, put a, a quotation mark between those two and be like, okay, these are absolutely the same. And I'm going to use this in my title. And what happens is that if you use that in your title and it's a low um, uh, search volume, you're not going to get what you are hoping to and your sales are not going to be improved um, that way. So you should really pay attention to uh, the keyword research. It should be done for each market separately. And you definitely have to pay a lot of attention to that. And you want to hire a person um, who speaks the language to do your keyword research. So I'm not a big fan of a lot of people having uh, Filipino VAs or other uh, VAs mm -hmm. from other countries who don't speak the language. Uh, so they just would put this in Google Translate and then check the search volume and then get the results from there. Uh, I would say no to that and yes mm -hmm. to uh, human translation translators and VAs that speak the language that is needed to do the proper uh, keyword research. Definitely agree on that one, uh, especially because it's not just about the keyword research, but also about the mindset. Like exactly. even in offline markets, uh, a lot of companies that are looking to expand to a, like an additional market, they will do proper research before entering that market. and. Um, that's it. It's only logical that sellers on Amazon would apply the same mindset when they're trying to expand on other markets. So um, definitely you need to apply this element that's called localization. Can you explain to us a little bit more what yeah. that means? Um, localization is one of the most important uh, factors out there because what happens, uh, we have a lot of U.S. Uh, clients. Um, who want to sell on the German market. And why German market? Uh, because it's the biggest European market. It's a common misconception and a lot of people think, especially from the yeah. States, that the UK market is the biggest one. But actually Japanese market, I mean, when talking about worldwide markets, is bigger than the UK. But a lot of people don't want to go there because of like, the language barrier and all other uh, different stuff. So let's say that a U US seller wants to sell on the German market. Uh, first of all, you have to know uh, what uh, what style of the market you want to use. You want to know who your your customers are and who you're targeting. So mm -hmm. the U.S. listing is has a lot of like very you know typical U.S. listing has sales pitch. It forces people to buy, buy, buy the product, like buy our amazing product or like super cute, awesome product. It has like this little bit of a, like this emotional, emotionally involved, like with the customer throughout the listing. Yeah. And actually it really wants to, you to buy stuff. Like it pushes you really hard into buying that in like the four, fourth or the fifth bullet. Uh, Germans hate that approach. Like if you would just use this US listing, and get someone to translate it as it is, like a literal translator, like one-on-one, -on -one, and just translate it to the German market, Germans would not love that. They, they hate like being told what to buy, how awesome your product is, and especially if they lack a lot of very basic information in the bullets, like what, what are the key features yeah. of the product, how to use it, is it safe for my kids? Like they hate that. Mm -hmm. If you don't have these information, they'll be just like, okay, like on to the next one because I'm not 100% sure that I understand what I'm buying. 
So when you're selling on international markets, your listing has to have very clearly written descriptions. Nobody's going to buy something which they don't understand, especially if it's for their kids or cosmetics or supplements or something that you yeah. have to you put inside of your body. So basically Germans, they like very clean, structured, uh, you know, it's, it's like how they do business, you know, like uh, tell me exactly yeah. what you want from me and I will deliver that to you. And also the German market has the highest percentage of refunds. So this is like actually how they work. They're like, fine, here's a refund. And it's like the market which has the most of these, like it does the most of these. So they want really like a clean business and they really want something very, you know, uh, clearly written. Uh, no, like don't push me into buying. I'm going to tell you if your product is amazing. I don't want you to tell me how amazing your product is. We're going to see that in your reviews and stuff like that. So if they don't see this and if they don't have this like very, um, uh, very, um, uh, clearly uh, written uh, con uh, what what what, what uh, does your product contain of or what are the ingredients they're probably highly unlikely going to buy your product and I came across one listing it was like uh, this um, espresso um, uh, espresso uh, cup like a small uh, mm -hmm. shot of espresso uh, little glass actually glass yeah and uh, the US listing had like different metaphors it was like keep your fingers cozy like your grandma used to do blah 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 or like uh, enjoy the enigma of a never-ending something you know it was like the, the the US listing and it was like very very good uh, the choice of style for the US and then he had like the sales pitch and like it was it was awesome it was like it was a very very good listing but the German listing of the very same product where they said like own the enigma just like your grandmother blah blah they just translated this to the German it says elegant and stylish glass this is it mm -hmm. and the other one like keep your fingers warm like your grandma used to do it just says thermal isolated glass like this is it you know no like uh, keep your fingers warm but like it's thermal yeah. isolated you're not gonna burn your finger and this is what you understand clearly from thermal isolated glass and this is like okay checked i'm not gonna burn my fingers fine let's on to the second bullet and so on so if you just you know skip this information and kind of try to make it more you know um like novelist like nobody wants to read a novel no one wants to read metaphors in your bullets and also a very important thing is to just keep your bullets short i mean not too short but you don't want to maximize on the 499 characters for each bullet because mm -hmm. like nobody wants to read a novel as i said and they just want to know the key features they just want to know which elements are in this product and then if they like it they can scroll down and read your a plus content or your product description so just keep it short and try to deliver all the, the, all the very important information um, in the bullets. And the style I prefer for the bullets is that you start with capitalized letters saying like, you know, like uh, if you're selling um, a coffee mug, you know, like our handle doesn't break. Okay, second bullet, um, like 100% um, BPA free or like a dishwasher safe and stuff like that. This is what people want to see. And visually when you see it, it's quite clear what this product is about. And then people can read like additional small description you left in the bullet. So, so I think this is what works the best for the German market. And this is what we've had like very um, big success with uh, coming from the clients. Uh, we don't manage anybody's accounts, but we always get in touch with the clients to get their feedbacks, to get information for some case studies that we, that we do. And um, we're going to uh, publish that soon on our website. So this is something which is a very good format for the German market. That's super interesting. Um, so 
you mentioned that the German market is the biggest European market. Is that the one you would recommend sellers to begin with when they're trying to uh, go pan-European? Yeah, I think uh, depending on where where the seller is from, for instance, for the States, mm-hmm. I would always say, just let's just start from the UK because of the language barrier. And yeah. I think that all the Americans, they want to also go to the UK because it's like, it's English, let's do it. It's going to be so much easier. Maybe we don't even want to, maybe we don't even have to do like keywords and stuff like that, which is wrong because you, you should do them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of US sellers always start with the UK market more than for, with the German, even though the German is the bigger one. But also they think that the UK is the biggest one because, you know, like, if it's English, it has to be the biggest one. You know, it's like, it sounds like that kind of a mindset yeah. and, um, or like the popular or whatever. Uh, but like when start, when you talk to like a UK seller or German sellers, you, I would always uh, suggest uh, the UK market to the Germans and the German market to the UK sellers, uh, definitely to, to start mm-hmm. with. And usually when people talk about this, they want to start with one market. And if that is one market to choose from, they always choose the German market. So I would definitely choose that one. And I like to call the German market the five-star market because all other countries that don't have mm-hmm. their own Amazon marketplace, they got transferred. So people have to buy from the German Amazon. So don't get only Germany. You get a lot of other countries outside of the Amazon um, uh, universe in uh, Europe uh, buying from that very own marketplace. So we have a lot more potential buyers than only you know like 10 million or how many million people live in Germany. That's actually very smart. I never heard about it before. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do you have any tips for other local markets? Like for example, I know the French nation and French people are super specific and also counts for the Italian and the Spanish. And um, I'm pretty sure that you have some uh, experiences to share with us, some maybe patterns that you noticed what works and what doesn't work for these all these other individual markets yeah well basically when it comes to spanish and italian market these markets are very 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 small so um mm-hmm. if you don't like a, a lot of people do the pan-european thing and then you just you know sell on all four markets separately and people would rarely choose just to go to the spanish market or italian market so they're right. quite small and i don't think there are like a lot of samples to say like okay this is something they don't like or this is something they like when it comes to products or um, the language itself is quite those are like French, Spanish, and Italian are like Roman languages. And when it comes to um, uh, also like the culture and the mentality of people, it's quite alike. So there is like a, there is no like a, a what's a no go like on the German market. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that when it compared to the German market, these three marketplaces are much more um, they're, they're not that, you know, like strict and you can play around with a lot of different words, like a lot of different metaphors. You, you can have a little bit more of a freestyle. I would also say that when it comes to bullets that you should stick to the capitalized beginnings with the features. I think that works uh, fine for all markets. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, never mind where they are. Uh, but I would just, uh, uh, keep more of a, not too liberal approach, but more of like, uh, you could have the Liberty 
of writing some stuff like uh, more of a like a metaphor way. Uh, I don't think any of those markets would prefer, prefer that you have the sales pitch in the in bullets. So when it comes to that, they also don't want to be pushed and stuff like that. And people in France are also super super careful about what they're doing for and buying for their kids and for like supplements and stuff like that. So when it comes to that, you also have to take extra cautions. And mm-hmm. also when it comes to keywords, I have a really good tip because um, a lot of times um, you will see that in your keyword results. Uh, you want you you'll have results without the, the with the words which don't have like accents like over letters, and when you have like a word like cream like cream and you have like a little this accent over e, this is how the words are supposed to be supposed to be written. If you don't have like this little accent over e, it means that the word is not grammatically correct, and you should not use it in your listing. You can use it in your backends, but not in your listing. But if you use this word in caps you are allowed to use this word without the accent. And this mm-hmm. is how you can save on so many high search volume um, keywords, which you can actually use in your listing. Let's say you can put it in the first bullet, or I mean, you should not put it in title because you know, caps lock are not like title, but you can use it in the bullet or maybe the beginning of your product description. You can actually you know, get like some super, super insanely high search, search volume keywords, which you until now maybe did not know how you can actually use in your text, but you would put them in backends so you can maybe put them now in your bullets instead and maybe do like a split testing uh, to see how well they would perform for instance interesting those are more like technical things that a lot of sellers probably aren't aware of but yeah usually it's very overwhelming joining all these new markets so uh, a lot of them don't get to go into all these details but it's super super important yeah this is just you know one thing that really really helped us and which we also Mm -hmm. might also like well why don't we use this as as caps like you know so it'll be fine and also like for the german market um there are a lot lot of compound words like they like germans love these like three or four you know combined for the long words you know like you need a sentence in english but you have a word for that in german and basically, exactly. and basically when you are uh, working, for instance, we love to, to use Helium 10. So when you're mm-hmm. working in Helium 10, uh, there's a default word count, which says two. But if you, if you put one as a compound word, you're going to get different results. Let's say if this like, um, uh, mm-hmm. word is, uh, I don't know, uh, like a hairbrush. And this, this, this name for the hairbrush is consists of one, one big compound word which is not going to show up if you put the word count to, you're just gonna get like these long tail keywords, but actually you're not gonna get any results which contain this one compound word because Helium would see it as like, oh no, this is just like one word. It's like using like kit instead of like bonsai tree kit. So, but it's not mm-hmm. the same actually when it comes to German. And then when you put the word count one, you're gonna get all the different names for this hairbrush, which are maybe ranked even more than those long tail keywords you get when you put two. So I will, we always combine the two different um, uh, sheets that we get because sometimes you're gonna miss out on so many good keywords that your mm-hmm. competitors will have and you won't. So that's very important when it comes to the German language. Interesting, specific about, uh, there are a lot of specifics about the German market actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's the most demanding one, honestly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it has the, the biggest potential uh, for you to be successful at because um, all the categories basically, which are, you know, uh, uh, bestsellers in the states and the UK, they are also very popular in Germany. So I would mm-hmm. say that uh, the, 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 that that marketplace um, has a very good um, 
you know, potential for whatever is popular in the world, it can make it happen in Germany as well. Um, unlike Japan, for instance, where it's also a huge market, but you really have to have a specific product for, for that market um, in order to be successful. And, um, you know, I think that you can just waste time and, you know, money, even though PPC is like really, I know that PPC cost is ridiculously low for the Japanese market. Uh, but uh, if you're selling something and you don't know if it's going to be good or maybe it's a complete mess for that market, you're just losing your money uh, anyways. So, you know, there are some things that you can definitely check if they're a good fit for that market. Like you can go and ask like random people, like you go on Facebook groups, like ask the expats living in your city, the, you know, Japanese people. Um, they also have a different sort of culture. You know, people yeah. are sensitive when it comes to culture. You can get in a big trouble if you offend someone. So you should definitely do your homework before going to the Japanese market. But if you think that you have a good market, I think it can be a huge win for you. Yeah, well, the, the most demanding one are you, ones are usually the most rewarding ones. That's yeah, how yeah, it works yeah, in business. Definitely. So I understand how intimidating can uh, a Japanese market be, especially because it's such a different culture. You have to go through all this learning curve to understand how these people work and what's important to them, what the set of values they have, and just yeah, learn definitely. how to communicate your brand message to them. Um, Speaking about reaching out to these expat groups on, for example, on Facebook and asking questions, is that uh, really enough for someone to do a proper research of the marketplace that they want to enter? Or is there some kind of more comprehensive approach that someone can take if they really want to uh, enter these markets seriously and dominate them? Yeah, well, I think this is like one of the things you could do. It's not definitely going to be your main research method. But mm -hmm. uh, since this is the Japanese market, unfortunately, we don't have any tools that are going to show us anything. I mean, you could go into Helium and you can just uh, type the ranked words and you can see like what search volume are for some certain terms. Like, of course, you can yeah. do that as you would do for every market separately. Um, but uh, I also think that you can, of course, definitely go to Amazon itself and then search for the similar products and see how well they're doing. And they can be like a really good guideline if it's worth if it's worth it doing or not. Um, and also, I know um, uh, John Kent, uh, one of my uh, my friends from the Amazon industry. They uh, his company is specialized in Amazon for uh, Japan, and they made this uh, report. Uh, which is like a, a probability report, like how successful your product will be on Amazon Japan. Uh, and they gather the, the, the information from the competitors from Amazon. And then they would make your list of like suggestions if that would be possible for you to sell or not. But if you want to sell something that is still not being sold on the Japanese market, then this report is not going to help you. Uh, I think you have to do a lot of manual work, a lot of checking yourself, like keywords and stuff. And I would say for the Japanese market that um, if you don't have a lot of competitors over there and you're selling something which is not that widely known to the audience, I think that you have to sit down and do the dirty work yourself, definitely. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would suggest so, like checking the, the keywords rank, you know, um, a lot of different reports you can get from, from Helium, from some other tools. Uh, and then you can maybe get a better picture um, and also like, you know, talking to people that live there because this is like your audience. So this is like, you know, the, what, what you get back from people who might be also buying your product. So I think everything that combined can give you some sort of a picture. Would it be possible for that product to be successful or not? 
uh, it's not the best method ever, but I think it can be a good guideline to know, you know, if it's worth it or not. That being said, do you have like any uh, sort of pattern that has started to occur when it comes to mistakes that people, that sellers make when they're trying to enter international markets? Yeah. Well, one of the things is that a lot of people have already used the automated translations and then they try mm -hmm. to rank for that. Uh, that this, didn't uh, fail miserably, you know, especially it sucks because, you know, when Amazon gives you that honeymoon period, you want to use it. And then if you can, uh, you know, if your listing is, is like very poorly written or you have like bad keywords or you don't even have any keywords, and then mm -hmm. you use these keywords in your PPC campaigns, which I'm sure you know, you know, when people give you a list, I mean, you know, uh, you hope that these keywords are good. And then like, if you use a keyword which are too broad or not specific about the product and you just like invest a lot of money in them, uh, after this like month of wasting your money and time, it takes a lot of time to come back and just do the things the right way. It just like when Amazon just understands that you're not relevant for, uh, the product like your search terms are not relevant for the product you want to be ranked for they're just going to remove you from that first page where you land when you're like still fresh and new and uh, basically what i would always suggest is to do the proper keyword research you don't have to have um, somebody who is um, a native translator but please hire someone who's going to know the language while they're doing the keyword research so that even though your language might not be good in your listings that you really have some good keywords um, a lot of people ask me like is it like the content which is more important or the keywords so i would say that uh, i think mm -hmm. that the slightly more important are the keywords because even though you have this, this beautifully written listing if somebody types the the the, the keyword of the product your product is not going to show up so what's it worth that you have like this beautifully written listing if you don't have any keywords in there and i would always say that you know um case sometimes like the language can sound a little bit odd when you use mm -hmm. some keyword in the sentence but even though like there might be like two or three sentences like that if the rest of your text is amazing it really doesn't matter so i would say uh yes to keywords and a uh, little bit yes to um uh, less yes to the content but uh, you should always focus on putting a lot of keywords in the title and in the first two bullets but don't uh overuse the keywords and don't uh, sacrifice the language just because of your keywords you can put a lot of those in, in backends, um, in subject matter. So I would not like stuff the keywords uh, just on purpose um, on your listing. If you have A plus content, just you know, put them in your product description. Always keep that in backend because this is what also mm -hmm. indexed um, uh, in the most uh, cases. So basically, I would just you know, pay attention to the keywords and I would just you know, pay attention to getting started the right way because it's going to cost you more money and more time and everything if you just kind of do it like let's do it let's auto translate it and that's it you know and also definitely to research the market a little bit more uh mm. it sounds like so such a boring process and hassle but i think if you um do those things before you start selling it's going to save you a lot of uh time and money and it's definitely going to um uh, it's going to, they're definitely going to pay off that's definitely true you have to take your time when you're taking a big step such as you know uh, going into another market so how does someone ensure that they have a high quality listing do you have like a process for that for example in your company 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have this uh, something which I like to call like a, a two-step uh, quality check. Um, so I think that's very, very important, especially because um, the clients usually don't speak uh, the language. They mm -hmm. just, you know, speak English and they're just like, you know, I don't want anybody else to double check this. Like, I just want to get the product and upload it and just, you know, be yeah. done with that. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. So, so basically, um, every group of our language, I mean, every, um, every language has its team. So how it works basically when sellers um, send their, they can either send their link of their already, uh, you know, um, done ASIN, which is, I mean, which is live, like in English or in German, because we also do these language combinations. And um, it goes to our team leader who just, you know, gives it to the translators. Translators do, they do their keyword research themselves. Uh, because mm -hmm. I think that when you are a translator, when you do keyword research yourself, it's much easier for you because you exactly know what terms you're uh, looking for. If something else is missing, you're like, well, let me, let me look up this term also as well. Well, as if you have a VA who delivers that, he's not a translator. He doesn't know how to do the text, how to maybe, you know, transform the sentences. And then you're going to have like more limited keywords choices than when the actual translator does them. And so they do the translate the translation themselves, and then it goes to the to the first proofreader. This is our first step verification, and then the mm -hmm. proofreader gives its comments. If it has to be redone or you know revised, it goes back to the uh, translator, and then the second step verification that goes to the team leader. All team leaders are also translators. They just have a little bit more responsibilities, and then they check the text again, and they check also the keywords if the high traffic keywords are used where it should be, and then after that, it goes to the project manager. He, she double checks everything again, and then it goes to the client. Um, when doing translations, um, it's a very dangerous thing because it's a very subject subjective thing yeah so even right. even though if you have like the best translation translator ever out there mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people are not just you know when you do that like for five hours you're just gonna get lost and you're like you don't even know if this sounds right mm -hmm. or not and that's why it's important that somebody else also reads your translation knowing why did we put the keywords and stuff because amazon translations is a completely different style of translations it can be compared to the SEO articles you do for your website, but I think this is even more like a niche inside of a niche of SEO articles because you have to pay attention to the lengths and some certain mm -hmm. rules. So it really has to be checked also by someone who also understand how Amazon translations work. So a lot of, um, Clients, they send it to like, I have an aunt in Spain and I send her this and she tells, she tells me like, I don't know, this sounds weird and stuff like that. But you know, sometimes as I said, like some sentences might sound a little bit odd, but just because of the keywords you use and you have to know the value of these keywords that you use. Sometimes it's just not uh, possible to absolute, for absolute to have this amazing natural flow, like your title. It, it cannot have a natural flow in your title because it just, you know, it just uh, contains of like some very important information about your product. But then you have like the bullets, then you have the product description where you can actually, you know, tell your story, write more freely about the product. So uh, there are like a lot of combinations that have to be uh, taken into consideration when checking that sort of listing. And um, to help our clients, we also mark all the keywords in red. So it's very mm -hmm. transparent where the keywords are immediately. And I think that helped a lot because as I said, a lot of people don't speak the language and then they're like, I don't know what the hell did you do guys? Like, what, what is it? What is it? And then we send this in red or in different colors and they're like, Oh, this is very nice. And you know, immediately they're like, okay, some things were done here and mm -hmm. all good. You know? So I think uh, the more user friendly you are, the better it is for your clients. Uh, especially because a lot of clients don't know anything about 
a lot of different uh, things which are done uh, in Amazon, not only languages, but like also all other things. So I would always, you know, tell service providers just to be, you know, as user friendly as possible, whatever that means for, you know, their, their type of service that they're doing, because that is something which helped us a lot. And we got a lot of really, really good feedback because of that. That's interesting. Um, you mentioned the keyword density, meaning how many times do you repeat certain keywords inside of the listing? Do you have any specific recommendations what has worked for you uh, yeah. in terms of keyword density? Right. We don't repeat the keywords ever. Um, I mean, you can have a long tail keyword, um, plastic travel mug, but then the second <laughs> keyword is gray travel mug, which doesn't mean that you are repeating the keyword, even though you're having the travel mug. So we never repeat keywords. Uh, usually, I mean, it really depends on like the, the length of the listing or what the client wants. It's really important to listen. You know, if the client wants a very, very long bullet to say, fine, let's do very long bullets. I really don't want to, you know, mess with whatever you think is the best for your product because, you know, it's everybody are like very emotional with their products. Like, oh, that's my baby, blah, blah, blah. You know, everybody wants to like really taking care of them in this specific way. Um, so we never, we never repeat uh, the keywords, like in the title and the bullets, it's always different keyword. It can go anywhere from like 10 to 25 keywords per listing, depending if you have A plus content or not. Uh, mm -hmm. So we never repeat those, but uh, also in our strategy in backend uh, search terms is also to use, um, for instance, we would, if you have a backend search term and for instance, you have this like pl plastic coffee mug or gray travel mug, for instance, um, if you haven't used these two keywords in your listing, we would just use, and if you have like a coffee mug in your listing, in the, the backends, we would use maybe like, we would use like gray, plastic, some adjectives. We would just use that. We would never put the whole keywords again and repeating them because you already are indexed for that coffee uh, mug. Why would you repeat that again? And we also like to use um, related search terms. A lot of clients, um, they actually never saw potentially that, but when we use like related search terms, which really have to be related. So you cannot use like a sunscreen lotion and you're selling a coffee mug because you know, right. maybe you're using that while, while driving to the beach. It's like too far from that. But like if you're yeah. using like a coaster, for instance, or if you're using straw, mm -hmm. for instance, a lot of people would be, you know, maybe triggered by, you know, like you see a straw and then you see like a coffee mug. You're like, oh, right. Like, well, it's time for a new coffee mug. It's like this like power of suggestion, which helps a lot. And a lot of people, sometimes they, they actually get their products bought just because they showed up in a related search terms. And then a really cool thing, which can happen if it's like bought frequently like that is you can get in that frequently bought together section, Amazon, and your product can be actually, I mean, not like a, you know, part of the pack of with the straws or whatever, but it can be like suggested to other people that, you know, others bought this. So you might also be interested in that, which you basically kind of get as a, like a free commercial on Amazon for your product. So I would still think that related search terms are a good idea to be used in backends. That's like a really awesome tip. Like for example, also if you have a product portfolio that's pretty wide and you already have some good products that sell that are mature products, you can yeah. put them in your backend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Capitalize on that distinct demand. 
that's yeah that's definitely also you, yeah thing. because you know how like a lot of sellers they have like this little table like you know a plus plus content and then if they sell also yeah. if they have other products yeah. in the same needs if there's a little table so it's like buy this and this and like you know like this has like i don't know what this doesn't have and stuff like that which is really cool and i always suggest people to do that if they have a lot of products in their niche but exactly what you said like you can use those products and put them in your backends so you can actually get your other products to pop up while people are buying for what people are buying one of them so mm -hmm. that's a that's a really cool thing to refer to your other products yeah when it comes to these uh table of contents that you just mentioned in a plus content i've seen uh some sellers uh compare their own products to competitors products and put images of competitors products, oh yeah that's is, yeah which is basically you know black hat but works yeah. for some of them we're willing to try these things yeah, I mean, also you can uh, also advertise on uh, your competitor's uh, web page, of course. I mean, you've seen a lot of like Amazon listings and then like you have like mm -hmm. this little ad and yeah. I just tell my client like, look, there's somebody else you know, advertising on your product. Like you don't want to do that. You want to put your other product on that page. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and a lot of people don't know how to solve that, but this is what people uh, a lot of times they do, which is, uh, I mean, it's not like hat, but you know, a lot of people, uh, to misuse the opportunity of people who don't know about this or not even the, a, a lot of times when I tell people like you know I think you should fix this because there's a competitor on your page a lot of people are just like really how like when did this happen like 80% uh, of people I, I tell this to have no idea that they have a competitor you know stealing sales from their own page you know so yeah, it's one of the most uh, common but most expensive strategies that yeah, are it is. But I think it's yeah, but I think it's it's worth it. I mean, a lot. Of, I think that uh, people mm -hmm. should pay more attention to that because people don't know. They don't even, as I said, they don't even know that there that there's a competitor advertising on their web on, on their listing. You know, that's just you know, it's crazy. Yeah, when it comes to Amazon advertising, what we have noticed as a trend is that um, cost per click is growing in general and the competition is uh, getting more fierce than ever. So yeah. uh, whichever strategy you apply, it's always going to be whoever can invest the most in getting that first customer yeah. through the door is going to win. That's yeah, I also think that uh, the competition out there is very, very fierce and there are more and more and more and more people who want to mm -hmm. sell on Amazon because of all of the stories you hear and you know everything made possible but I think like Amazon now and like 10 years ago it's like completely incomparable and it's so much harder now to make some seven-figure income for instance or even six-figure income like uh, like you used to do a couple of years ago and mm -hmm. you know algorithm has changed so much like ever since and uh, but yeah I think that uh, now at this point it's it's gonna take like a lot of really hard work and good strategies to um to make a very good income than when when you would have tried that like five years ago yeah yeah well maybe it might be time to explore some other markets like for example you mentioned in one of your recent podcasts that there's going to be amazon netherlands uh, released pretty soon or it already exists 
yeah it's already launched uh, uh-huh. i think that uh, amazon launched it um, i think about uh, a week ago um <laughs> sellers got an email saying you know you should go and sell on the dutch market and blah blah and honestly like and this is going to be my definitely my, my tip for 2020 um is to try and to go to sell on the dutch market um i was honestly very surprised to hear that amazon was opening at the dutch market because the mm-hmm. netherlands it, it, it's, a, it's a small country and i would have not expected that you know amazon would have opened there i would have maybe you know um, expected like denmark or you know maybe a scandinavian mm-hmm. country instead of that but they chose the dutch market and especially it's interesting because uh ball marketplace is the ruler of the dutch marketplace i mean ball is like where everybody sells yeah. and like people were just like not interested in amazon but then in october we got this information from like an instant information from amazon from our, our clients saying that the dutch market is going to, going to launch in, in january and he wanted to get all of his aces translated he was a uk seller and I was really surprised. I'm like, well, maybe this is just like one case and, you know, maybe nobody else shows up. But since October, we've done over 300 ASINs for clients. Mm-hmm. And I get every, almost every day, somebody either asks about the Dutch market marketplace or wants to get something done for the Dutch marketplace. So I was very uh, surprised by the, the shown interest of other sellers to go there open and to sell on the Dutch marketplace. So I think it's very important for every marketplace who is going to be there first. And I think, you know, since uh, it's pretty new and a lot of people still haven't actually heard about that, especially people who are not selling internationally online, uh, because you're not going to get information from Amazon if you're not in the penny European about the new marketplace. Um, I think that this is something which would be very, very interesting uh, for everybody Mm -hmm. out there. For now, I think the competition is not that big. Um, there's still no keyword research uh, for that marketplace. So um, I actually talked to uh, Helium 10 about that. I asked them like, look, where are you going to do the Dutch marketplace keyword research? Right. And they told me like, well, wow, this is something which is really new and really have to work up on that and stuff because it's very important. I mean, um, right now you cannot get any keyword ideas from your competitors because they didn't have it too. Like the only way how you can get some keywords is from keyword planner for instance you know but this yeah. is not like you know amazon material it's cool but you know whatever you can get but definitely i would consider the dutch market as potentially the 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 best new coming marketplace in 2020 will you offer you are offering also translation yeah. services we are offering that. we have the dutch team and we are offering mm-hmm. the translations as i said we use some keywords from the keyword planner and from other tools we can get and of course, we offer absolutely localized uh, translation for that marketplace. Awesome, brilliant. Um, Jana, do you have anything else you wanted to share with us for today's call? And like anything uh, that's like number one thing that you would, number one advice that you would say to everyone? Um, I would say to uh, split test your titles and bullets every now and then, uh, because the strategies for keywords, they change a lot. And sometimes you'll be missing out on so many maybe better keywords and opportunities, especially for the international markets when it comes to different holiday seasons and so on. So I think this is something that maybe you should pay more attention to. Definitely agree on on that one. It also affects not just uh, PPC, for example, from my point of view, but also conversion rates in general. Definitely. I think it, it affects absolutely everything. Keywords change the way the people search for products online changes from time to time. So that's correct. Yeah. 
Um, Jana, thank you for being our guest today. I personally learned so much from you and um, I will be definitely following you online wherever you are. Thank you, thank you so much. I really enjoyed um, uh, talking to you today and I wish you the best of luck. I think you're doing an amazing job with your YouTube channel and I thank think you. Uh, you bring so much value and uh, I think just, you know, you should uh, definitely, I would do definitely going to increase your audience this year immensely. I hope so. Yeah. Bye-bye. Um, okay. Bye. -bye. Bye.